Amen. Good morning, Thrive. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Ooh, I hope everybody has uh, got online and registered to uh, be a part of a Thrive Tribe. If, if not, they'll be popping up soon. You can go through and, and read what they're about and register to, to go to one of those so that we may start doing life together. You know, it is, it is awesome just to know that you don't have to walk this walk alone, that there are people that you can get together with, study with, and grow with. And when needs pop up, instead of, you know, trying to share it with 100 people, you got a small, intimate group there uh, that you're meeting with that you can get to know. And you, instead of thinking that everybody's going to condemn you, you can just say, you know what, I've been going through this. And more than likely, you'd hear the answer of, you know what, I am too. Or I've been there just, you know, just like that. And, and it's just a place to, to share with each other what you're struggling with, to get encouraged and, and to grow. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I'm not Pastor Nathan. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he and his wife are out harvesting, having a good harvest. You can ask them what when they get back. But, but they are having a great time. And as, as, a, as a pastor, as being in the ministry so long, I've come to understand and realize that pastors need those breaks. And when they get off and they have a time and to refresh, to pray, and trust me, no matter what they're doing, you are on their minds. Okay, they are praying for you, whether they're going down a slope or, or riding a wave or shooting a bird or, or, you know, whatever they, not that type of bird, okay? <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> no, trust me, he won't do that. I've driven with him, I see, okay? But uh, no matter what they're doing, you're on their mind, on their hearts, and they're praying for you, and they're being refreshed, they're resting, and they're having lots of fun. And when they come back, be ready because they're just going to explode the word of God up on you. You should all be excited and, and just praying for them as, as they're gone for their safe return. And we are going to benefit greatly uh, when they come back. Amen? Amen. So let's find out uh, what God has for us today. Pastor Nathan last week uh, took us into a cave. He shared with us the six things that um, life uh, can bring towards us, whether it's fear, anxiety, depression, just all the worries of the world can come upon us and lead us into this place like we're going into this deep, dark cave and you can't see, you know, what's in front of you and you get to this point, you know, life and you're struggling where you're like, don't push me because I'm close to the edge, right? Anybody else know the song? Nobody. Okay, right? That, that you get you and you feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm going to fall. I'm going to push off. I feel like I'm all alone. No one here to strengthen me to, to hold on. But when we're like that, we could drive, drive, right? You can call your friends. You can call your family. You can come here and, and know that you are not alone. The worship was awesome this morning, just took us right into the throne room of God, right? Where we just know, we worship the one true living God that tells us that we don't have to believe, believe the lies of this world and Satan and darkness that tells us we're defeated and that we've lost and that there's no hope that we say, no, huh, I don't believe that because it's Satan is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But God came. Jesus came to give us life and life abundance where we can look at each other and he looks at us and he calls us the redeemed. He calls us the saved. He calls us the holy. He calls us the righteous. He calls us the strong. He calls us the delivered. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters that we're not supposed to live in a king because he has a mansion for us. He has a place that he himself has fashioned with his hands where he wants you to live. He wants you to live. He wants to live life with you and he promises no matter where you're here or there, he is right there with you. Think about how powerful God is that he holds, he, not only did he create the earth and all that's in it and the universe that he spins all in his hands. One degree closer to the sun, we burn up. One degree further away, we freeze. We are perfectly positioned in the light. When we know this creator, then we can trust what he says. And when doubts and fears and sin and this world try to come upon us, when our fleshly thoughts try to lead us astray, we have to go back to what we know to be true. And it isn't something, it's someone. So this morning, I want to try to brighten your day with a sermon about depression. Right, we're just gonna we're just gonna step on in where uh, Pastor Nathan uh, left us last week. That we know that we aren't alone. When God touches us, when we accept the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, then then we get to know Jesus. We find our freedom. We discover our purpose, so that we can make a difference. First of all, that difference happens in our life. Second, it happens in our family's life, in our job, in every place that, that we go, that we can be an encourager, that we can take light into the darkness. And if you didn't recognize what I say, when you walk out the door, turn around and look, that is the mission and vision that God has given Thrive Community Church, and you become part of that, that we're going to hear about Jesus every week. When we do that, we discover freedom, because no longer are we chained up, that he has broke those chains. We sung the song, break every chain, break every chain. Those chains represent fear, anxiety, depression that can hold you back, doubt, right? Lack of self-confidence, forgetting who you are. He can break those chains and set you free so you have and walk in the power of that, that freedom. And then you hear his voice and think, oh, you want me to do that? Right? You discover a purpose and you find out that purpose is to take it out, to take that message, to take that freedom, and it makes a difference in the lives of all those that you come in contact with. And when you do that, it's funny. It's, it's reciprocating. You, you benefit as well. God says, do this. And it's like, okay, Lord, I'll do that for you. And he's like, hmm, it's really for you. You know, no matter how many good things we do, we do good, we don't make God gooder. Somebody got that? Okay. <laughs> Last week, Pastor Nathan, uh, yeah, I know that's bad English. <laughs> Pastor Nathan left us with the story of, of Elijah. One of the greatest prophets, I believe, he's my favorite, in the Bible. So much so that it's, you know, complimented, it, it's, it's given extra oomph, if you will, by he's one of two of the prophets that show up in person. 
in the New Testament. You got Elijah and Moses, both in the Old Testament, that appear on the top of the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. So Jesus is here, the Father is looking down, they're on top of the, of the mountain, and Elijah represents the prophets, and Moses there represents the law. They both showed up because Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophets and all the law brung together, and God spoke, and poof, those two disappear, and he says, listen to my son only. So here is Elijah, and you think, wow, you know, he must have been one of God's favorites. You know, which I kind of argue with that because my father-in-law has a shirt that says, you know, I'm God's favorite. I don't know. <laughs> my father-in-law from Kansas, by the way, Howard Richard, right there in the corner. Waved everybody. There you go. <laughs> hey, man, just trying to score those points as a son-in-law, okay? <laughs> but here's this great prophet. A powerful prophet to just do two, Pastor Nathan taught us last week, you know, and we read two great miracles. And think about what God has done in your life. And, and like, man, great things here, great things here, great things this. Listen, he, with the power of God, went against one of the most powerful forces of evil at the time, 400 Baal prophets that were speaking to their God, and, and he was watching them, praying, and they, you know, they were real holy rollers, right? I mean, they was just going crazy, trying to get their God to move and to speak, and he's watching them. He's like, yeah, you need to pray louder. So they started praying louder, and he's like, oh, maybe they're asleep. He doesn't hear you. You know, you're not, you're not praying from the heart. So they start cutting themselves, right? They start doing bad things. They start tearing their clothes, running around naked and praying, and all this other kind of stuff, just trying to get Baal's attention. You know what? False gods will never answer. Elisha steps up. He says, my turn. He says, Lord, show your power. He builds an altar, digs a trench around it, puts the wood there, sets a sacrifice on it, soaks it. I mean, you could just see, you know, the, the loads and loads of water coming up, being poured right on top of all the wood, and it's running down, and it fills up the trench. I mean, if you don't know, you can't throw wood in the middle of a lake and light it on fire. It's not going to stay lit, nope. right? So here's this wet wood, you know, and he prays, and the power of God comes up, burns up the sacrifice. The rocks that it was put on were so superheated, and you can do this rock. You can superheat rocks where you take the rock and go, and crush it. And this is what happened to the sacrifice proven. There's only one true living God, and the God of Elijah, Elijah was all powerful. And then all 400 prophets were killed. Great, mighty miracle, right? Awesome. Then there was a huge drought, right? That the, the people were living in sin. They weren't doing what they're supposed to. There was a drought in the land, and people were like, man, I'm thirsty. There's not enough water to feed the, to water the crops. There's not enough water to water the animals. And Elijah says, my God's got this. He prayed. The tsunami came, just dumped the water on there, brought life to the land, brought, brought water to, to those who were thirsty. He gave them what they needed. And Elijah like, yeah, right? And then he heard, ding, pulled out his phone, got a message. I don't know who this Jezebel is. I'm going to kill you before this time tomorrow. You killed all my prophets, and that made me mad. May it be so true that your head is going to be on a platter. This is a CLB version, I know. Okay? <laughs> By tomorrow, 
when my name's not Jezebel. Oh, ding. <laughs> I mean it. This great prophet who just, the power of God just worked through him, did these mighty miracles. All of a sudden, one message from one person who worshiped the false god who he just destroyed 400 of their prophets. He just prayed and changed nature and clouds came in where it wasn't supposed to rain and it rained and it provided water. It provided life-giving water. It was an oasis all of a sudden. He did this powerful thing and all of a sudden, one message, one lie came in and it caused him to fear. He took off running. It takes us to 1 Kings or back to from last week. 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. He ran out and hide. Now, I'm no genius. <laughs> if I'm going to hide, I'm going to hide somewhere other than a bush. Right? He got under this bush, you know, that the Lord had prepared, and he was in the shade, and he just prayed. He's like, I just want to die. I just want to, I just want to go to sleep, and I will never want to wake up. Anybody else ever, ever prayed that prayer? Okay, me only about 105 times. You know, every time a girl broke up with me, right? Because it's supposed to be me that breaks up with her, right? And, and she would break my heart, and I really didn't love her, but I had to show up, act like I did, right? But you did all these things. You know, your achy, breaky heart, it just tells you. Right? Go to sleep. Never wake up. He lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there was by his head and by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. And I love this, this right here. You can, you know, like anytime it says hot coals in the Bible that is baked over, not pouring hot coals on a head and that sort of thing, but hot coals that's used to cook. Right? Here it's saying get up and eat. With bread that was prepared over these, these hot coals. The other time you could take from Old Testament and go to the New Testament. Jesus was having breakfast on the beach with his disciples. Right? And that's why you love going to the beach so much. Okay? You go there and picture Jesus sitting on a beach cooking breakfast. And he looks at his disciples and said, come on. And short story, they, they recognized him this time. Right? Peter didn't jump in the water, take off his clothes and try to, try to hide because he did. Sorry about that. This is all getting... They're trying to hide because he didn't feel worthy. He knew Jesus now. He knew who he was, who Jesus was telling him he was. And he's like, hey, I'm going to eat some breakfast. I'm going to go see Jesus. So he jumps in. He swims. He left the other disciples that had this, this net full of fish, and they couldn't even bring it in. And they're trying to come to the shore. You're like, we'll be there in a minute. Right there coming. He goes up and sees Jesus. Jesus says, come and eat. Peter's like, boom, hold on. He ran back. He grabbed the net by himself. Look it up. It's awesome. And he, with the power of God, listen, in the presence of God, you gain strength. You gain power. You gain things that you don't don't even know you have and he could be put in your life to break those chains to push back darkness to bring the miracle that you need to set you free he grabbed that net he pulled it up to jesus let's eat right jesus made him breakfast with the 153 fish right it's a miracle so we go back to elisha i just like to tie it in right same message from genesis to revelation 66 books of the bible Anytime you read it and you think you know it all and all of everything else, it's 666. It's man trying to make himself God. You don't do that. You read the Bible. It's his word with the power to change your life, to do his will. Hey, I'm on a little sidetrack there. <laughs> Angel says, hey, dude, 
get up and eat. That's my angel. <laughs> God sent the right one. He's speaking my language. That's my love language is food. Right? Then stop. I like to eat. He gets up, he eats, and then go to sleep. <sighs> he's still my man. Right? He's resting. He's getting, his body is, is getting strength. It's, it's renewing. It's coming back. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, a second time. Yeah, get up and eat. Yes, again, twice. Right, that is the perfect vacation. Room service, oh, thank you. Right, and you eat and go back to sleep. Brunch. Right? So you get it. And listen, most of the time, you're having trouble handling the things in your life. You're having a hard time handling them. It's overwhelming you. It's overstressing you. Why? Because you're not eating enough. You're not eating right. And you're not getting enough rest. Perfect example right here. He didn't tell him right away, get up, go. He said, hey, wake up, eat, drink, rest. I wonder how long that pause was, right? He's resting. Where's Jezebel? Where are those who are coming to destroy him? Where are they? God's protecting him, letting him rest. Then he comes up again, hey, wake up. Eat, drink, rest. Why should I do this? Because the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached, until he reached Horeb. Now, that has another name. It's called Mount Sinai. And on this Mount Sinai is where the law was given. When God gave, gave the law, the, it covered the cloud. And, and on that day, when Moses came down, 3,000 people were killed. Because they had already built a false god. They had already you know, started thinking, oh, hey, our leader, our leader is gone. You know what's so awesome about what we're experiencing right now? Our pastor is gone. But we're not going to go out here and build some, some false idol and start you know, doing things totally opposite of what the Lord has called us to do in a false vision. No, we're going to hold true to that because we know that our leader... Our pastor is in his hands getting refreshed. He's eating. He's sleeping. He's having a harvest fun. And he's going to come back, and, and we're all going to benefit from that, right? So we don't do that. Their leader went to meet with God, and they see the, the big mountain covered with the cloud, and they're thinking, mm, he hadn't come down for a long time. How much gold did you bring? Think about the insanity of this. Hey, everybody emptying your money. Right, empty this out, and we're going to melt it down, and we're going to build a false god. You know, or the, the people who used to enslave us and whip us and kill us and, and make us bury our own dead and, and chased us trying to kill us, and we were delivered by them and everything else. But let's build an image in the shape of a god, of a cow, something that's created, and let's worship that since, since Moses is, is gone. I call it crazy thinking, but you know what? 
How many times as I, we know the truth of God, know what we should do, and we just kind of sidestep. And God says, where are you going? Hold on. I just want to play over here a little bit with this sin. And when it keeps me too long, costs me too much, hurts me too much, wants to keep me longer, then, then I'll come back to you. Just throwing it out there. The mountain of God where 3,000 people were killed, there's another mountain that we're going to change. We're going from the law. We're going from the curse. We're going to the new mountain, new mountain where the Holy Spirit fell and 3,000 people were saved. Two mountains, two truths. What we need to do is we need to step into a recovery. This is the first point. We need to step in to understanding what we need in order to be strengthened, in order to live this life. We need to eat right. Okay, we need to eat. We need to rest. And as we step into this recovery, we can start hearing the, the word of the Lord that is going to give us what we need to overcome our battles. And how do we step into this, this recovery? First, we've got to be prepared. It reminds me, uh, uh, <clears throat> a guy used to come to the church that I was at before we became one church. And now it's called the Dream Center. And he would be so happy if he's still with us. He has passed and he had kidney failure. That we was praying for him to be healed. And he was going through dialysis for about, man, almost six years or so. And, and he was going through dialysis trying to get the toxins in his body so low that he could uh, have a kidney transplant. And th there was one that was, he was on the list and he was getting close to to it becoming a reality of getting a new kidney. And so he goes to the doctor and they run all these tests and they came back and they said, well, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to, to give you the, the kidney transplant. And he's like, what? He said, yeah, you're, you're too sick. The toxins in your body are so high that if we take this, this new kidney and we, we, with the solution and we put it in your, your sick body that immediately the toxins in your body would kill the solution. Your body's not prepared to receive. Now, this is in the natural. Now, your body isn't prepared to receive this, this new organ. I wonder how many times in our lives that we are living such a lifestyle that we aren't ready to receive what God has to say to us. Right, that, that, that we're not prepared for what he has to say. And so we ignore what he has to say because that's our free will, right? Because we haven't prepared ourselves. We wouldn't put ourselves in a humble position to say, you know what, Lord, whatever you want from me. I know I'm going through all this kind of stuff and it's hard and, and it hurts. And, and man, I, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. And then he speaks, poof. Then you're ready to receive. But God is always speaking. He is always pursuing you. His grace superbounds. It says where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more that no matter what lifestyle you're living, he's always loving you. He's always speaking, but you're not hearing. You're not listening. So we talked about the physical and the spiritual. We need to prepare ourselves. And a lot of times preparing ourselves spiritually to hear from the Lord of God is taking care of ourselves physically. Making sure we're not too tired. Right? We're not hangry. Anybody else get hangry? Right? I'll be traveling. My wife say something. I'm like, okay, we're stopping. <laughs> right? We're pulling in and we're getting something to eat. 
getting something to drink. We're going to get out. We're going to stretch our legs, right? Because you don't want. I know she seems sweet. Go next door. Yeah, she is. Just don't get her hungry. Okay? <laughs> we step inside for recovery. In order to do that, we have to manage our time. There's a quote that says, if, if you do not manage your life, your time, somebody else will. Right there. If I don't prioritize my life, someone else will. Let's go to Psalms 90.12. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. You know, we only have so much time to experience so much. When we mismanage our time, we don't experience the life that God has planned for us. Because we're too busy, you know, taking care of ourselves as far as doing what we want to do, not what God wants us to do, letting our work, letting Facebook. Did anybody else have that, that thing on their, their phone that says, you've had this many hours of screen time? When the first time I saw that, I thought, challenge accepted. <laughs> right? <laughs> I remember one time it was like seven hours or something. I thought, what? Now, of course, I, I would uh, defend it by saying, well, I, I do a lot of studying on, on, on the laptop. So I'd put it down, or on my phone. I'd put it down, and what's, what's bad is they're all connected, so it keeps track. I just started using my books that I would done so much. And then I'd hear, ding, realize I'd come over here. Oh, no, no, so I had to shut that off, right? We can be so distracted. Challenge to me, challenge to you. You ain't getting the stuff done like you want to get done. I bet you recover six, seven hours of screen time. Not stepping on people's toes there, okay? If we don't manage our lives, our time, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, right? The news, CDC, they will all try to manage your life and time for you. Okay? We need to focus back. Spend them as we should. There's a reason why we have the Sabbath. Let's go to, back to 1 Kings 19, 9 through 12. <clears throat> there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was a great earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Quake. I say earthquake. Why? Because the earth shakes quickly. Anyway, after the earthquake, nobody got that. Came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. You had earth, wind, and fire. Right? You had the boogie wonderland going on. Right? Anybody else know that song either? Right? They didn't come up with that name. Elijah did. Earth, wind, and fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. 
he prepared himself to hear that whisper because he stepped into a God encounter. How do we prepare ourselves for this God? How do we step into? He did what the Lord said. The Lord said, go out. Stand at the mouth of the cave. Stand on the mountain. He went and prepared himself in the place of God. We do that. We did that today in our praise and worship. Man, I hope you can build a play, playlist, you know, on, on, <laughs> there we go, on your phone, on Pandora, or that sort of thing. Or if you have the old cassette tapes, put them in there, push play, where they tracks, right? Put your record player on. You know they're coming back? Vinyl's coming back in. Put it on. Start listening. And you'll have songs that really pump you up, that get you excited, right? There's an army rising up, and you're like, yeah, I'm part of that army. Let's go, because you're ready for that spiritual battle. Amen. Then there's other times you just got to be caught up in his presence. Right, that you just put something on, you know, and I love that song, right? And I'm going to sing it. I'm caught up in your presence, and I just want to sit here at your feet. Yeah, right, right. See, to God, that was wonderful. To you, you're like, please stop. Listen, you need to put yourself in that place, right, where you hear that, and all of a sudden you, you get those, you know, chicken bumps going. You start to feel that, that peace, and you're like, oh. And it's at that moment, you're like, oh, I just heard the voice of the Lord. You prepared yourself. You put yourself in a place where you expected God to speak. He will not leave you hanging, I promise. John chapter 4 said the Lord is seeking after worshipers. Right? So if you're like, man, I haven't heard from God in a long time. You know, I just want to be where God is at. Start worshiping. And it says he will find you because he's seeking out his worshipers. When you worship, God will come to you. And the, I mean, he's always around. But man, when you're worshiping him, that's when he comes. That's when you feel him. That's when you prepared your flesh to get out of the way so your spirit and flesh aren't having this argument. The spirit is always wanting to worship God. Your flesh is wanting to do always the opposite. But you can start training that. And put yourself there where you hear the word of God speak, which is also a good, good song. So many times in our lives and our, our worship experience, trust me, Elisha felt the power of God when he killed the 400 prophets of Baal. He felt it. Imagine the strength that he said, whoosh. Right? Imagine when he, when he prayed and saw the cloud. Right? And he heard the thunder rolling. See, I'm just testing you to see what kind of music. I used to listen to all that music. Right? And Garth Brooks back there. The thunder rolls. And the lightning strikes. The prophet of Baal is dead tonight. Is that not how it goes? I'm sorry. Okay? Right? You, he felt the power of God. God moved in his life. But then this great prophet is finding himself under a bush, wishing to die, and then hiding in a cave, thinking that no one knew where he was out. And it says, no, there's no height nor death that you can go to, no darkness that's too dark that's going to hide you from the presence of God. He knew where Elijah was. He went to Elijah, and he said, come on out. Come and stand in my presence and receive what I have for you. And he stepped into this God encounter because he put himself where God had placed him. And let's go to Psalms 46.10. Sorry, I'll get excited. It says, to be still and know that I am God. I'll do that, but I got to go. 
I got this error and this error and this error and this error, and I got this call to make, this call to make, this call. Ding, hold on. Oh, I got 142 messages I need to reply to. Right? We can get ourselves so busy that we're not being still to know that he is God. Psalm 73, 16 through 17, a psalm written by Asaph. Okay, that this is the chief music director in David's court. Right, he knew his stuff. And he, the first verses of this, you can go through and read it when you have more time. And you can hear him complaining about all the bad things that are going wrong in the kingdom, in his life, in David's life, everything that's trying to oppress him and come upon him and the things of this world. And we get down to verse 16. He said, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply till... Let's pause for a minute right there. All these troubles I just listed out, they, they troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Hopefully, that when you when you come to church and we're getting ready to, to have Freedom Wednesdays, you know, starting up and the first Wednesday that you can come here even more and the tribe, Thrive Tribes are getting ready to start, that, that no matter what life has given you, you can go to a Thrive Tribe and then you come to a Wednesday night and then you come to a, a Sunday and, and you can get online and register these things and there is kids, see I'm advertising here, there is kids, uh, uh, they're going to watch your kids and teach them freedom while you're in here getting freedom, it's on Wednesday nights, and they can have a little snack, right? But you're going to get encouraged. You're going to get, get fed. We're trying to give you more and more times to, to get away from the world, to come into the sanctuary of God. So, so it takes away the power of the world. It takes away the power of sin and all this kind of stuff that tries to influence us, to oppress us. It takes that away because we enter the sanctuary of God into the presence of the Lord. We encourage one another. We teach one another. We prophesy over one another. We pray for one another. You walk in here sick, you walked out healed. You walk here near bummed, you walked out alive. You just, you know, let that power of God get in you. Walk into his presence. Prepare that time in your life, the sanctuary of God. Let's go back to 1 Kings 19. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face to hide his identity. Put a mask on. Back then it was this way. Where the only thing you see was the eyes. You know, the FBI and the, all those other abbreviations that try to hunt down people that use the satellites and all the cameras that no matter where you're driving, they really, you see it on TV, right? And 115,000 pictures start popping up and they're like, boom, bounding from face recognition. You know, with a mask on, that don't work. You still see your eyes, but they can't track anybody with that on. They can't identify people. We think that's new. Right here, he took his cloak, he pulled it over to hide his identity. And he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Why was he doing that? All of a sudden, think Elijah, great prophet, all the miracles that God had done through him, the prophecies that he said to have come true and did come true, 
What God, he experienced God working through him. All of a sudden, God says, come out in my presence. Shame, guilt, fear, covered up. He was having an identity crisis, struggling with who he was, whose he was. And he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, if you don't know, copy, paste, go back up, compare him, or, or flip back, or read back up. He says the exact same thing. And God was okay with it. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me, too. I know no one else has ever... I, Lord, do you even hear me? Do you even know what I'm going through? Are you there? Have you abandoned me? Am I even saved? I know nobody else has ever prayed that, just me. And you. <laughs> right? We all felt this way. Right? And that is the lie coming in to try to tell you the opposite of who you are. Because every time he says, no, you're not worthy, you should hear, you are the redeemed. Right? You can't do this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You're just a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. You're lost. I've been found. Right? We have to know that. We've got to put ourselves and listen to the true voice. Step three, we need to step into that true identity. We do that by the power of the blood and the word of our testimony, by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, by knowing what his word says about us, to listen to his prophets, to listen to his word, to listen to the words of Jesus, to listen to Paul, to listen to the disciples, listen to the complete word of God. Pray, build that relationship up, speak to him, and hear what he has to say. When we do that, then we become, you know, his masterpiece, if you will. We start seeing the power of God in our lives because, one, we're believing it. Two, we're accepting it. And three, we're looking at it just not words of black and white, uh, you know, on the paper or, or blue and yellow on the screen. Okay, that, that, that you start believing who you are because of who he says you are, what he's done for you. Because it's not anything that you do, it's everything that he has already done that makes you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's a quote that says, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Eleanor Roosevelt, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So stop. Collaborate and listen. The word of God has a brand new edition. Okay, no, listen, Okay. <laughs> That he wants to speak the truth to you. And so when you read that, when you hear it, when you fall off the stage, right, <laughs> you know who you are. And I know no matter that, our flesh will come and, and the things that we hear and all this kind of stuff will try to create this thing. And we can say, yeah, I know what you're trying to tell me. And my flesh even wants to agree with you. But in order to do that, I would have to call God a liar. 
in order to feel the way that you want me to feel, darkness, the way that my own flesh wants me to feel, then I want to give in to that and think that I'm something that, I, that I'm not. In order for me to do that, I would have to deny what I know to be true, that when he was hanging on the cross, he was thinking of you. He was doing what you couldn't do so he could spend eternity with you. That he was saying, you are mine. And they're trying to say, no, you're not. He's saying, yes, you are. Believe what the word of God says. And do not let the, the, anybody else make you feel inferior. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are the redeemed. You belong to Jesus. And you have freedom. And you have a purpose in life. So you can go out and make a difference. What I love about this story of Elijah is twice he gave the same rehearsed speech in his mind. And word for word he said, you know, I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. The Lord never answered him. He never answered that complaint. Go back and look. 1 Kings 19, 15 through 18. The Lord said to him, go back the way that you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. And I love this. Right? He was going into the cave. The Lord finally got his attention. He turned around and in the darkness of the depth of night, he saw green lanterns light. No, he did. He saw the light shining in and he went back out because the Lord said, come out into my presence. Come to the edge. And he, he, he entered that. He stepped into an encounter of God. And then he did this. He didn't answer his complaint or anything. He said, go back the way he came. And that's very interesting because when you track out the where he came from, he went through a town called Beersheba. And that word Beersheba means to renew your oath. Go back to the place where you renewed your oath. Go back to the place of your salvation. Go back to the place where this whole new life started. Go back and remember the day of your salvation when you said, Lord, I am a sinner. I do not deserve this, but please be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Ooh. And you experienced that love and that grace that was done 2,000 years ago when your sins were all future from the cross. And that day, though, it became just like he just did it just for you. Remember that. Go back to that place. Go back and remember what he's done for you, who he says you are, the power that he gives you, that he promises never to leave you and forsake you. It's just not a verse that we want you to say because you're religious, right? He wants you to believe it. Amen. A father wants his sons to act like him. Just not the first 30 years of my life, okay? <laughs> a father wants the best for his sons, for his daughters. And he ain't going to tell you a lie. Earthly fathers will, but our father will. And if you get a hold of that, if you, me, being a fallen, fleshly, selfish person, can have a gift of, of having a child and raising that child in the way you should go. And, and, and when someone hurts that child, you just, you just want to attack them. When circumstances of the world want to take something from that child, you want to raise up with all the power you have to protect your kids, to love your kids, to do everything for them. If you, being fleshly, how much more an eternal loving God who holds created and holds the earth and the universe and everything that we know in the palm of his hand who breathes life into you, Numa 
says, I love you. You are mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. Believe him. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint this king. And we go through in the second time, anoint this person, anoint this person, anoint this person, anoint this person. He is building people around Elisha to help Elijah, to help strengthen him, to carry on his mission so he will not know that he is by himself so much so. And he says, you are not alone. There are 7,000 that have not bowed their knees to bow, and they are there to help you. And if you anoint these people, you anoint this person as king, do this, then they will all take the sword out and they will slay all those who come against you because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. There's not a chain that's going to be able to hold you down. There's not a stone that can be put in your grave to hold back my power to bring you to me. Death has been conquered. The power of sin has been destroyed because Jesus sits on the right hand of the throne. He sits on the throne and he calls you his own. Amen. Number four, in closing, worship team calling up. Stepping into a new assignment. Secular psychology. We'll say if someone is in depression, if they're suffering from anxiety, if they're you know, living in fear, the best way to get them out is to give them an assignment, to give them a project, to tell them to do something. And so a lot of times they'll say, hey, baby steps. First, tomorrow. I know you haven't been out of bed in 30 days, but tomorrow, wake up. Walk outside, get your mail, and come back in. You know, there's people that are still afraid to come out of their house. So they wake up, they go out, they get the mail, they come back inside. And Victory. Step two. Tomorrow, when you wake up, go out, get your mail, come back in, and set it right at your computer. Okay. Right. Step three. This is worldly psychology. This That will bring a person out. How about we step in to where God wants us? Or we can discover our, our true purpose because we found Jesus, because we found freedom. And we can start doing that purpose so we can start making a difference. Not just in our lives, in our families, in our neighbors, in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world. And it can happen through each one of us. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another quote by Viktor Frankl says, People have enough to live by and nothing to live for. They have the means. They have the means, but no meaning. If you compare the, the poorest are homeless here in, in the United States, they're rich compared to a lot of people in the rest of the world. That our lowest income, the poverty level, is considered rich in other countries. If you've ever traveled abroad and went to other countries, you can experience this. You walk in and they say, it's this much. And, and you, you put down your, your money and think, man, that would cost me $20. It's $2. I eat this, this, this big old meal. It's 30 bucks instead of 120 bucks. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. 
This is Paul. And I want you to see this. So no matter what you're going through in life, when Paul writes this, you have to keep in mind that Paul five times received the 39 lashes that Jesus received once. And when Jesus received those, we're going to, I'll save that. Five times he received it, 39 lashes. He was stoned. And when you are stoned, they only stop throwing the rocks when they believe that you are dead. He was shipwrecked. He was out at sea, floating for 24 hours. Bob. Bobbing up and down. Imagine how scary that was, being in the middle of the sea, in the darkness. Snake bitten. Falsely accused, chained, put in prison, shackled. And he writes this. Therefore, we do not lose hope, heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, troubles are, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. Your car, your house, the things that you can possess, temporary. But what is unseen, the power of God that works within you, that pulls you out of that cave that you purposely walked into. You followed a lie, and he pulls you out with the truth. You followed an enemy that wanted to kill you, and he pulls you out to give you life. First King 19, 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. This would be step five, stepping into a relational strength. That is why we have the tribes. That is why we have Sunday service. That is why we have Wednesday service, so we can come together and be strengthened right here. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And you think, what is that? Elijah, after experiencing all this, said, you know what, God, you was able to use me, and you did some powerful things in me. But I can't do this alone. So God said, hey, I'm go you go here and anoint this person, anoint this person, anoint this person, and go find Elisha. This great prophet of God who, before those great miracles, you know, and he was the first extreme home makeover. He was going through a town so much doing ministry that this, this wife saw him and told her husband, said, hey, I see this man of God doing ministry, and I want to build a place for him. And they added on to their home a whole room and fully furnished it and everything else. And then went out and said, Elijah, I know we don't know each other, but I know that you're a man of God. I see what God is doing in your life. I've prepared a place for you. Every time you come through this, tank, this town, you can come and you can stay with us. You can rest. We will feed you for free. You can stay here. We prepared this for you. And then when you're rested, you can go out and do what God wants you to do. 
this, <laughs> this great Elisha. God said, okay, go find Elijah, go find Elisha. And so he walked up to Elisha and he took off his cloak and he, he put it over him. Like a hen covers up the chicks. Like the Lord saying, come into my refuge for I am your refuge and your strength. I am your hiding place. He, he took his cloak and he, and he put it over Elisha and they became the best of friends. They had a father figure and, a, and a, a mentor and a mentoree. They became best friends. They did ministry together. And as they were doing ministry together and Elisha was learning from him just like I do, like I learned from Pastor Nathan, right? And then, whew. Get this. Don't do life alone. Don't try to do ministry alone. And, and husband and wife, yes, you're a team and everything else, but you know what? Your husband needs another man to draw from, and your wife needs other women to draw from so they can just say, hey, woman stuff, men stuff. Tribes. Elisha followed him off, and Elijah told him, say, hey, my time's getting short. The Lord is getting ready, prepared to take me. And Elisha's like, no, I don't want you to go. We're supposed to be doing this forever, I know. And he's like, no, I got to go. And, and I just want to tell you something, that, that when the Lord comes and takes me up, whatever you ask for, you're going to get. What is that? And you could almost hear the, the chariot being prepared in heaven and, you know, starting its speed of light journey at 167,000 miles per second. Okay, this is the speed of light that it traveled coming down, whew, right? And he says, if you're there and you see me, you get it. And he says, okay, the best thing that you can give me because I'm going to have the memories to remember what we've done, what the Lord has done through us and our friendship. Those are always going to stay with me. But what I want is what you've got. Even more. I want a double portion of your faith. A double portion of your faith. That's what I want. I want to be able to, man, because if I got to do this without you, I want to do it like we're doing it together. And sure enough, the chariot goes down, whoosh, takes Elijah up to heaven, and whoo. If you look in the Bible, it's perfect. You can count how many miracles Elijah did, and then Elisha is double that. To not do life or ministry alone, let's do it as a church. Let's do it as, as friends, as family. Let's do it together so we can experience the power of God and relational strength. And in order to do that, the best thing that I see when Jesus was on having breakfast on the beach is to partake together. you're sitting here today and you say, you know what, I, I heard what you've been saying, I've been coming to church for a while and y'all don't even know if I'm truly saved, then let's take care of that right now, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And you just pray with me, silently or loud, it don't matter. Father God, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you that he lived the perfect life. He died a horrible, perfect death. They put him in a tomb, and he took care of the work, and three days later, he rose in victory. And he is now seated at the right hand of God for the complete, total forgiveness for the finished work of the cross. I'm forgiven of my sins. I love you, Lord, and I thank you that my sins are forgiven. You are my Lord and my God.
Thank you for loving me, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. As I turn it over to the worship team, these are just tears of joy. People say, why do you smile so much? Because I get to see the power of God working in each one of your lives. And that brings such joy. Let's do life.